0: Hey Courtney. Hey Sasha. Why is justice best served cold? I don't know. Why? Because if it were warm, it would be just water. Ah!
1: It's spoop (laughs) hour.
0: Get it? Just ice? Just
1: ice? Just water?
0: If you warm it up,
1: it's it melts. Water. Hey! hey! So this is a paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This one is Courtney. Hi, I'm Sasha. That one's Sasha. It's called Spoop Hour. It is! <laughs> You're listening to it! It's a
0: podcast! It is the Sunday of daylight savings time, and so time is an illusion. It is. I am very tired. I am too. I
1: haven't been sleeping well for like two weeks. And I was like, this is fine. I'll just never sleep again. Who gives a fuck? And, like, and then the clocks went forward. And then the clocks went forward, which blew. And then like, I took a nap before Sasha came over. And when I woke up from my nap, I was like, what if I just go to bed now? And it was 3.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Yeah, I haven't been,
0: I've been like on and off sleeping okay or like just sleeping like a rock but waking up exhausted the next morning yeah. and like with like no real recollection of like... What happened? What happened? What year this is? But last night I was in Richmond and I, it was, by the time like the color guard competition we went to was done, it was a little too late for me to think about driving back from Richmond. Mm. And I'm the kind of person where like 50% of the time, maybe 75% of the time, it works every time. I'm like, I get drowsy when I drive. Mm. Oh, I should probably stay here. Yeah. But. I don't sleep well in, like, new places yeah. anyway, so, like, I also didn't sleep well. Oh, but no. then this morning I had a venti Starbucks drink with four shots of espresso. Love I it. was, like, flying down the highway, yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: invincible. It feels so good. Yeah. <laughs> Who wants to fight me? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Uh,
0: there is something weird that happened at school recently, and I can't – I wish I could remember what it was, but it was one of those moments where all of us looked at each other like – all right, uh, this is how it ends? <laughs> <laughs> we all knew. Like it it, wasn't, was it wasn't. it wasn't like a scary thing, like a gunshot or anything like that. But it was definitely like. Uh-oh. I think we heard like something crash or something oh, with the no. wind, like
1: or like a thud or something, and we're all like, "Well, all right." Those, it was nice to know you guys. Those sounds are what I hear from the attic when I'm like, "Well, whoever's in the attic is coming down now." So <laughs> I, I was guess right, this is bitches. happening. Yeah, you <laughs> motherfuckers thought I was kidding. Did anything spooky happen to you
0: this week? Well, one, I had to do a presentation in front of 300 people. That was spooky, spooky. but a lot of people said I did a good job.
1: I believe And I thought I did, thought a, I did a bad
0: job, so I was happy that people, and it was people like I don't even like talk to yeah. at work, but they were
1: like, well, you did a great That's job. That's how you like, know it was a great oh, job because okay. they're not your friends. Right, they're not my you. friends telling me that. Because like I did I'm a good sure job. your friends would be honest with you, but also friends' job is to be like, you did great, yeah. even if you did maybe not great. But right. you did do
0: great. So I did do great, I guess. So that, w- but it was very scary to talk to 300 adults. We have 300 adults sitting in a like cultural, like sensitivity it. training who actually want to pay attention because we all want to be better teachers. That was like really hard. Yeah, can I show
1: you this thing? My coworker that I co-parent the skeleton with. Yeah. we text. Uh huh. And Hell she yeah. sent me this thing the other day. Good co-parent. She's a great co-parent. But she sent me this and she goes, it's your motto. And it's uh, somebody did a cross-stitch that what? just says, wash your hands and don't be a racist. And I'm like, it is my motto. <laughs> is that is your, oh my God. Do,
0: wash your do hands. Do we ask Augie to make us one? Augie, <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening if you and you don't project, have anything to do.
1: <laughs> if you need a project, hit us up.
0: I, I guess like a scary thing that happened this week was just knowing that even the people that you care about in your life can have... Shitty political opinions. Hooray! Courtney and I spent a good forty minutes we before did. we started recording. Actually,
1: just talking yep. about that. Two spooky things happened to me this yeah, week. Me One, I had a very strange dream that was really spooky at the time, but it involved that box over there. <laughs> so we have two boxes. <laughs> Sorry, that's like not where I thought that was
0: going. You're like, and it involved that, that box over there. Specifically,
1: <laughs> I'm gonna take a picture of that box so I can post it on the Instagram now, so you can see like what box I'm talking about. <laughs> So, we have two boxes in the, the Podsmint and they are for propping up the computer when we Skype with other podcasters so we can look them in the eye and not, like, loom over them. But
0: <laughs> Make them look at us, like, from under our chin. Yeah, where they're like,
1: oh my god, are you guys just double chin? And it's like, yes, but you don't need to know that. That's a personal, private secret of mine. But in my dream, we were in a haunted hotel. You and I. Mm-hmm. And we knew there were ghosts there because they kept appearing. And that box could summon ghosts. And (laughs) That box specifically. And I was holding it with my hand, one on the top and one on the bottom. And I was just going into room to room. But we had to be careful because there was a very scary, mean ghost who was like a fucking murderer. And he was very scary in the dream. He was just like little black movie particles. Upsetting. Didn't like it. And we were trying to talk to the other ghosts to, like, figure out what their deal was, and there was this sad lady ghost we were trying to summon, but then the bad ghost started to come, so I had to, like, yank the box out of the room. like Fuck your box. Fuck your box. So, that box specifically, I had a dream about a couple so nights funny. ago. And then I re-upped my pink in my hair. Mm-hmm. It looks very nice. Thank you. And... We're not sponsored by Overtone, but if you're looking to dye your hair, they are quite good. Yeah. I brushed my hair before I did it, because I always do, Mm because it's easier than with tangle nonsense, and I put my hairbrush down on my desk, and I don't know how it was making the sound, but it was sounding like someone was just going like, just like sliding it down my desk, except it wasn't touching anything, it was just touching desk, and I recently cleaned my desk, so there's not a lot of shit on it, so it was just hairbrush just moving around, And I was like, okay, this is fine. Thanks, person in the attic. This is going great. I love it. I don't love it.
0: I don't love that. You shouldn't.
1: (laughs) Uh (laughs) I don't. I'm telling myself it was the hairbrush. I don't actually know. (laughs) Hmm. We also have some listener spoof if you'd like to read it. I would love to read listener spoof. So this is coming from Cassie. Cassie. Cassie, famously owning the dog, Drebin, who Mm -hmm. is a very good boy. Very good. Whom we love very dearly. All right.
0: Cassie. Hello, beloved Halloweenies. That's us. Hello, Cassie. Hi, Cassie. (laughs) I'm home alone at the moment. Mistake. Mistake. And I noticed something which reminded me of another night my partner had been away from home. Mistake. This is my second story involving my very good dog, Drebin, saving me.
1: Pictures to follow. Yes. pictures. Oh, God, Cassie. You know what we want. About
0: five years ago, my partner was playing with his band at a local bar. It was a weeknight, and I had to work the next morning. I decided to stay home as he would likely stay at the bar until closing at 3 a.m. to get a payout of the sales for the night. I went to bed around 10.30. I woke a few hours later to Drevin's signature low grumble of a growl. <gasps> Don't like that. He makes this noise pretty often as he is both super protective and anxious. Aw, same. People walking down the street in front of our house, stray cats running across our yard, the clink clink of neighbor dog's collar, etc. will usually elicit this noise. I didn't think much of it because of this. I patted him, told him to... <laughs> told him, it's okay, dingus. Oh,
1: <laughs> and shut my I eyes. Love that we call him dingus. Right? That's really cute. He's so
0: cute. And shut my eyes to try to go back to sleep. Drebin wouldn't stop growling. You look like you wanted to say something.
1: No, I was no. just thinking about calling him dingus. Yeah.
0: This reminds <laughs> me of my uncle's late dog, Gio, who was also very protective. And my uncle lived in like a busy part of the Castro district in San Francisco. And so I was... My Uncle Mark set up a tent for me to, like, camp out in his living room when I was four, and Gio heard someone outside the door and barked, and I was scared, and I peed the sleeping bag.
1: Oh, no! (laughs) One time I was home alone. I don't know why, but my mom, my dad, and my brother were all somewhere, Mm -hmm. and it was me and our family, Yorkie, and she would, like, bark, but there was a very specific bark she did when something scary was happening, and she started doing that bark, and I was like... So I like hysterically called my mom, crying like I, don't know, I think so. it's trying to break it. The dog's freaking out, and then my parents raced home, and like nothing was happening. The dog was just making scary sounds. Scary dog sounds are rough. Yeah, are rough. <laughs> <laughs> You're tiny little rough. Anyway, back anyway, to back Little Dingus.
0: Anyway, dre- Little Dingus wouldn't stop growling. <laughs> it was then I noticed the jingling noise. <gasps> we also have a cat who is still under a year old at this point and had rambunctious kitten energy. Okay. At first, my groggy brain figured that noise was the kitten playing with one of his many toys. Drebin's growls were ramping up, getting longer and louder. Still half asleep, I was trying to put together everything that was going on. Why can't I coax Drebin to stop growling and what the hell is that noise? Uh Uh-oh. Suddenly, Drebin launched himself from the bed barking like a maniac. He stopped in the entryway of the kitchen and continued to bark and snarl in the direction of, you guessed it, the back door. Oh, no. My mind finally made sense of everything that was going on. The jingling was the back doorknob. Yeah, this
1: is why Gio. Oh, no! This is why
0: Gio was barking and I peed myself. Well, I just got like straight
1: chills. Oh, I'm upset. Yeah, (laughs) so
0: she did too. She was freaking out. We keep a BB gun in our bedroom, so I grabbed Smart. it and held it by the barrel. I figured it would be more effective to use to defensively bludgeon since it's a damn BB gun and <laughs> I'm a terrible shot. So she's holding it like a baseball bat at That's this point, which is fair. But
1: also, I feel like how acquainted are homebreaker inners with what guns look like? Because right. a gun's a gun. gun. If I'm breaking into a house, I don't care what. It could be a water gun. I'm not taking any chances. No. Also, I'm not. I'm not a house. I don't yeah. break into houses that's oh. a rumor sorry when you were like I'm not a house and I was like yeah you're a person <laughs> <laughs> I'm a brick house I'm mighty mighty and I'm letting it all hang out like that song says <laughs> <Yeah>. that's
0: me <laughs> that's, that song's about Courtney it is you know.
1: even, even though it was written like decades before I was
0: alive <laughs> <laughs> All right, like, that's fine. Is it time to get back into the story? I guess. Okay, because there's so much more. I guess. I crouched on the bed and stared at Drebin, still barking his head off in the direction of the back door. Uh. Our bedroom door leads diagonally to the kitchen entrance, which goes diagonal in the same direction to the back door. Okay. I could see Drebin, but nothing else. I sat there, gripping my poor excuse of a defensive weapon for what felt like hours. Likely a minute or so later, Drebin calmed back down to growling. A little after that, he came back to the bed with me. I was fixated on the direction of the back door the whole time. Finally, I got the courage to investigate. As I got to the kitchen, my worst fears were realized. The back door was fucking open. No! I shot to it, pulled it shut, and locked the handle. No deadbolt at the time. That was quickly remedied. (laughs) And I got back in my crouching position on the bed and grabbed my phone. I didn't do the thing that seems most obvious today, which is call the cops. (laughs) I I called my partner and sobbed out the story to him. Sounds like you. Same. (laughs) He rushed home in the longest 15 minutes of my life. We both had a pretty good idea of who had tried to get into our house, but at this point, there would be no way to prove it. Our friend had recently broken up with her abusive boyfriend. We had let her stay on our couch here and there for the past (sighs) couple of weeks. That's because, even though she kicked him out, he had a nasty habit of inviting himself into her place at night unannounced.
1: No. We
0: figured he had done so that night, she wasn't there, and he had tried to think of where he could find her, that fucker. So I here's another story. reason that I am internally grateful to my goodest boy, Drebin. I am also grateful for him. He's a
1: very good little dingus. Please tell him we said so. Right? Whoever was
0: trying to get into my house that night was 100% stopped by his barking fit. He's turning seven tomorrow on March 8th, which <gasps> oh, is today. Happy birthday! Um, and will absolutely be spoiled for being the greatest dog I've ever known. Please enjoy the following pictures of dingus, Yay. including puppy pictures and a video of him barking at an old piñata to give Yay. him an idea of how fixated he gets when he, there is a threat. A piñata?
1: Oh, what a good boy.
0: Oh, okay. And also, she sent us a picture of the reason she won't be sleeping tonight and the reason the memory came up. The entrance to her murder attic seems to have a crack along one side. Oh, no. Almost like it's been moved recently. Because someone's living in the attic. I look at this shit all the time because I, too, worry about a creep living above me. That crack is new. What is that in the middle? Finger smudges? You tell me.
1: (laughs) And this is... Oh, no. The photos. Yeah, you gotta get out of that house, girl. Yeah, somebody mm, is coming mm, out that mm. attic. Mm-mm. I would grab the BB gun like a
0: bat, grab your <laughs> partner and go investigate.
1: Oh my god, but look at, but look at look the dog. Look at the dog. dog. He's, he's, such a, a, he's such a cool dog. He's so cool. Oh my Aww. god. Send us your pet pictures. Right. Remember when we asked you for your pet pictures and we'd tell you if they were cute? You can still do that. <laughs> right. We'll still say they're cute. They yeah. are the ultimate. In judgment. I will um, say, the
0: scariest part of that story is not just the breaking in, it's the abusive, I, abusive dickhole, dickhole who was right. doing the
1: breaking in. Yeah. yeah, that makes it so horrible. I hate it so much. Oh it's all the burning again. Oh, mm, yeah. Controlled burn. Mm, they're burning some trees by us. It's a controlled burn to prevent wildfires, but like... It just smells it like wildfire smell- outside. Yeah, it, it doesn't <laughs> smell like it's controlled. It just smells like fire. Also, some of us have asthma. What are we talking about today? More unsolved mysteries. Yay! More things that we hate that are spooky.
0: Are are your mysteries upsetting, or are they? Funny? One of them is, and then
1: one is fun. Okay, two of mine are just funny. No, I and say then- I say it's fun. It's not scary. Okay. okay,
0: two of mine are just absurd. Okay, because they're about jars.
1: Do you want? To be upset and then build us back up after we get very upset? Yes. Okay, well, we're going
0: I love to be upset and then built back up rather than be left upset.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're currently still very upset. I'm still very upset from that story from Cassie, which makes it appropriate for this next story, because <gasps> I'm going to be talking about the Hinterkaifeck murders. This is courtesy of Wikipedia at allthatsinteresting.com. To paraphrase listener Cassie, who suggested this is an unsolved mystery, yes, that Cassie, this might be the original murderer living in the attic story. Woo! Now, when Cassie commented this on our Instagram, I was like, I don't think I've heard of that one because she said the hinder murders. And then I, like, did a quick Google and I was like, Germany? Yeah, this doesn't sound very familiar at all. And then I stewed on it for a couple hours and then I was like... <gasps> This is the one with the footprints in the snow. I think I've learned what this mystery is called like 14 times, and then I just like trauma block it out of my mind because I hate it. Mm-hmm. It's very upsetting to me. It's very scary. It's exactly what I'm afraid of. So, tell me more. Let's all get traumatized together. <laughs> At the Hinterkaifeck farm in Germany, weird stuff started happening in September 1921. The family maid abruptly quit, allegedly citing strange sounds in the attic that made her believe that the house was haunted. Stranger still, six months later, Andreas Gruber, the patriarch of the Gruber family, found a weird newspaper he didn't remember buying on the property. It was a Munich paper, and they lived in a fairly remote part of Germany, so a little unusual to get a Munich paper, and Andreas thought, you know what, probably one of the neighbors ordered this one, postman delivered it to the wrong house, whatever, not a big deal. Except later when he asked around about it, no one who lived near the farm subscribed to this paper. Hmm. Weird. Hmm. And then the worst thing happened. Oh. Around March 24th, 1922, Andreas saw something weird in the snow. There were footprints that led from the forest to a broken door lock in the farm's machine room. Weirder still, the tracks led to the house, but there were no additional footprints leading away. So the footprints went in. They did not come back out, and I hate it. Good. Great. Fuck. <laughs> Around the same time, some keys to the house went missing, and the family started hearing footsteps in the attic. No. Nope. When Andreas looked around, though, they he didn't see anything. Like they they did a search of the house, and seemingly everything was fine and normal. So they were like, "Huh, weird." You know what? Other places have seemed fine and normal.
0: That house where the kid was living in the walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always yeah. oh, when it seems fine and normal, that's when that's you when know they're it's in, not. That's fine when and they're normal. living
1: in the fucking walls. <sighs> <sighs> Despite talking to neighbors about his concerns, Andreas declined to take it to the police, even though I'm sure the neighbors were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is a nightmare. Go talk to somebody about this. Why are you telling me? For several weeks, the family reported seeing a man with a mustache standing at the edge of the forest, staring at their house. And again, they were like, this seems fine. Nothing to be concerned about here. La 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 la. I'm paraphrasing. Seven-year-old Kazealia Gruber, one of Andreas's two grandchildren from his widowed daughter, Victoria, confided in a school friend that her mother had fled the farm on March 30th, running out to the woods after a violent fight. And she had only been found, hours later, wandering those very woods. Uh-huh. So just weird on yeah. March 30th. Sure. And then March 31st dawn. That fateful Friday afternoon, Maria Baumgartner, the family's new maid, arrived at the farm. She'd been dropped off by her sister who left that morning after staying at the farm for a few days. I assume this was just like a standard, you know, when you're a young unmarried woman taking a new position, you bring your sister just to make sure everything's on the up yeah, and up. Yeah, yeah. Like it seems like a good smart precaution. Yeah. The sister clearly was like, this seems fine, and just was like, yeah. have a great time.
0: I'm glad glad you're in good hands. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, see you at holiday. Yeah. Maria's sister would be the last person to see the family alive. Oh, no! Later that night, someone or something lured four members of the Gruber family to the barn. One by one, Victoria, Cazillia, Andreas, and Cazilia Sr. So, it was... Grandmother is Cazillia, daughter uh-huh. is Victoria, daughter Victoria had another Cazillia. Okay. One by one, they were lured out and murdered with a mattock, a farm tool like a pickaxe. Uh. It's basically like, instead of the pickaxe part being narrow, imagine it being like, Oh, more, more uh-huh. flat, almost oh. like like a hoe.
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Oh
1: no. When they were dead, the murderer or murderers moved inside the house where they killed Victoria's son Joseph, who was two, and asleep in his bassinet, and the new maid Maria Baumgartner. Oh God. So six people in total were killed. Four days later, the bodies were discovered. Neighbors had become concerned after mail started piling up and Kazilia hadn't gone to school for a few days. Mm. Because nobody had heard from them, so they were right. like, oh, huh, that's weird. And the postman noticed the mailbox keeps getting full, which is unlike the family. A repairman came as scheduled, and he knocked on the door, but nobody answered. Mm-hmm. And so he went about and fixed an engine on the farm, like, it, like he had yeah. agreed to do. He was right. like, I'm here, I'm just going to do it, whatever, they're out and about. He thought it was odd that while the farm animals were milling around, he didn't see or hear anything from the family. But right. he still... Did his and job, fixed the engine, went home. It's not like a two-person family. It's, no, it's a. It's you'd a, think someone would be around. You'd think, but you know, you're a busy handyman. Yeah. You know, everybody on this farm works. Maybe they're in a remote part doing something. Right. Whatever. Let me fix this engine. Yeah. Like, I've got example, other jobs to do. My
0: family has a hundred acres of land up in Michigan. Like,
1: right. We so, could be anywhere on it. Exactly. Yeah. So if somebody came by to be like, "Hey, Sasha's grandparents, how's it going?" and right. nobody answered, they'd be like, "Oh, I guess they're out." Right. So. Visitors noticed that the gate to the machine house on the grounds was open. And finally, Lorenz Schlittenbauer sent his son and stepson to try to contact the family. When the sons didn't see the family, Lorenz returned to the farm himself and brought two other townspeople with him. They discovered the bodies. Mm. From the get-go, the investigation was hampered by the truly ridiculous number of people who innocently wandered the farm in the days after the killing. Yeah. Yeah. The crime, sure. Yeah, it was, the crime scene was so compromised because so many people had come in to, like, do their standard farm jobs that th- there was no way to tell who was there nefariously, what was there, out right. of place, whatever. And it was impossible to tell the difference between what was clues and what was just standard farm life going on around the house. Right. The police heard from the neighbors about the Gruber's concerns about the mysterious footprints, the weird newspaper, and the maid's reasons for quitting, and the police reached the conclusion that the murderer had actually been living in the Gruber home for six months without detection before he killed them. Oh, Christ. Six months! I hate it so much. I hate it. But in a more fun, spooky twist, the heads of the bodies were reportedly removed and sent to psychics in Munich to see if they could get any kind of otherworldly clues on them. They were unsuccessful, though, and then World War II happened... And they lost track of the heads. Whoops. Uh, so the family was buried, headless. And
0: t- wasn't there a mystery last week that World War II basically...
1: Yes, he put Bell in the witch yeah. right? like World, World War, War II was like the ultimate destroyer of mysteries, man. Like, hope you like unsolved crimes, because it's World War II and that's all you're getting. You ready for some suspects? Yes. Suspect number one, Carl Gabriel, Victoria's dead husband. Ah, uh. He did it himself. <laughs> and while Carl had allegedly died in 1914 during World War One, leaving Victoria a young widow, Carl's body was never recovered. Because it was World War One. I. I mean, yeah. 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 Much like World War II, World War I was not great for mysteries. No,
0: but also like a lot of people died in World War One. Like yeah. people didn't come back.
1: But if you'll recall. Victoria had a two-year-old in 1922, meaning that she had a baby that was born in 1920, six (gasps) years after her husband's reported death. Ah. This was an extremely salacious fact in 1922, and I put in my notes, an unmarried woman having a baby? Le gasp! Even though it's Germany, so I guess it would be, mein gasp! (laughs) I don't know, I don't speak German. (laughs) So people started speculating wildly, leading to... An unshakable and gross rumor that Victorio and her father were in an incestuous affair. Oh no. And that Carl Gabriel, not dead, had emerged from hiding to exact his revenge. Das Gasp. (laughs) Das Gasp is better, you're right. (laughs) Also, episode title... Das Gasp. Das Gasp. And then I gave this a theory rating of, eh, probably not plausible. Soldiers from Carl's regiment confirmed he had died. Yeah. And reportedly he died from a shell explosion... Which, like, not to put too fine a point on it, but if you're blown up by a shell, there's not a whole lot of body left to collect. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. the fact that the body never turned up isn't really proof of, like, something nefarious so much as it is a very sad indicator of the way in which he died. Right. Although there is a spicy Soviet twist decades later. Oh, spicy Soviet twist! The best kind! After World War II, prisoners of war released from Soviet captivity claimed that the man who released them was a Bavarian-speaking Soviet officer who had claimed responsibility for the Hinterkaifeck murders. But some of those released POWs later recanted their story, so they're probably not reliable. Right. But that did lend some credence to the people who believe that Carl Gabriel wasn't dead, being like, oh, so he faked his death, joined the Soviets, and then somewhere in between swung by the old farmhouse to kill a bunch of people and then just, like, went back to Soviets. Right. Hmm. I don't know about that. Yeah, you shouldn't. It To me, it seems like this doesn't really hold water. No. Me. Theory number two. Arguably the most spicy and I would say probably the most probable in terms of like cuckoo bananas theories. Sure. Like obviously Occam's razoring it. It's probably like it was a home invasion gone wrong or like a property dispute or whatever. But this one is spicy and crazy. So let's just Roll I on. Like spicy. This suspect is Lorenz Schlittenbauer, one of those dudes who found the bodies. Ah. Uh. Lorenz, like Victoria, was a widower after his wife died in 1918. Lorenz was also rumored to be the father of Joseph, thanks to the letters LS that mysteriously are on Joseph's birth certificate. Ah. Uh. Also, remember how Lorenz sent his son and stepson to the farm to check it out? Uh huh. Doesn't that seem a little odd?
0: I mean, my first thought was, there's no cell phones, and it's kind of like, do you remember um, uh, the show that we watched that was terrible about the true crime, the...
1: Beyond Belief, Factor Fiction? No, no,
0: no. Why am I forgetting the name of Gypsy Rose? And, oh! Yeah, yeah. And yes. And, like, no one's responding, so they, like, go over there to do a welfare check. The act, yeah. Yeah. But, so it's like... Would you send your
1: child and stepson?
0: Well... In my head, when you were telling me this story, I figured that they were, like, teenagers or, like, older. Do you know what I mean? Like, not little
1: kids. I mean, his wife died in 1918, and I get the sense that he wasn't that old. So I feel like, best case scenario, his kid is, like, 10 10 or 12. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Not great. Like, optimistically, he could be, like, 16, but. Yeah, I would have maybe checked it myself. Well, and then if you'll remember, Lorenz came after his son and stepson came back and were like, yeah, we didn't Didn't see anything. anything." So Lorenz went, grabbed two witnesses Uh, and when they came in to investigate, he and his buddies had to break a gate to get into the locked barn. But after they found the four bodies there, Lorenz casually let himself into the house using a key on the front door.
0: He just has a key.
1: He just has a key, and he I just mean, casually let himself
0: in. I have keys to some of my friends' houses because yeah. I check on their pets or yeah. help them with stuff. That's possible. I have a key. I don't have a key here, but I can get in. Well, and remember if And I'm not going to murder you guys.
1: You heard it here first, folks. Sasha's absolutely going to murder me. You guys don't see it, but she did the thing where you're like, <laughs> around the you're neck. You're one of my she bridesmaids. Just did that. Why would I do that? I don't know. you. That's between you and your God. I'm going to say that's the,
0: the, that's the pre-wedding sacrifice.
1: <laughs> I knew it! I knew it was going to be me! I'm going to text the bridesmaid chat later and be like, you guys are in luck. I'm the pre-wedding sacrifice, and I understand. Anyway, <laughs> if you'll remember, so if Lorenz is the father of Victoria's baby, that means that he and Victoria are lovers. So it's possible that he had a key to the house to sneak in for illicit hanky-panky so that Victoria didn't have to run the risk of, like, someone stumbling across them if he could just quietly and discreetly let himself in rather than her being seen, like, coming down and meeting him or letting him in. So he may have been given a miss the key in earnest. And remember, the key just went missing. We don't know that it was stolen. So maybe yeah. Victoria took it because her, her hot young piece of ass. Yeah. She was like, look, I need that D, and I don't want to come down the stairs to get that D because I'm cozy-wozy in bed. Use this key and let yourself in. Yeah. So it's possible she stole the key and then was like, oh, weird, key's missing. Huh. Or it's possible maybe he stole the key. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. He could have been a sneaky sneak who stole the keys to have ready access for the crime because he fathered a child out of wedlock and maybe something was going to come out about that because even for men back then, that wasn't great. They did not like wedlock back then.
0: It's so funny, like, because I'm sitting here being like, "Oh, he probably has a farm nearby, and he just wants like the land or something." I mean, that's also possible. And then now you're like wedlock, and I'm like, "Oh, baby, yeah, yeah." So maybe
1: maybe he's like, "I'll just kill everybody, and then oopsie poopsie, now I have this farm." Da 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 murder. He also went into the house alone. Which his friends were like, bro, we don't know what the fuck went down here. We don't know how long these people have been dead. The murderer could still be in there. How about we go get the police? Lorenz allegedly said that he wanted to, quote, look for his son, Joseph. So allegedly he claimed paternity for Joseph, which gives credence to the illicit lover's possible motive. And remember how compromised the crime scene was? Mm Mm-hmm. Lorenz had a prime opportunity to mess with the bodies in the house because he confirmed when in alone. This odd behavior would fuel rumors for years that Lorenz was behind the hideous crime. And Lorenz wasn't really helping himself. Three years after the murders, a local teacher found Lorenz visiting the now demolished Hinterkaifeck farm. Uh. Because they demolished it after the fact. I think it was just because spooky death yeah yeah. it wasn't like a we'll just the in i think it was just like a "Eh, this was let's just let's just torch it we're done well lorenz was standing outside of the wrecked Kaifek farm and the teacher who came across him was like hey what you doing here buddy lorenz said that the murderer had probably wanted to bury the bodies of the family in the barn but the frozen ground would have prohibited him from doing so He may have been a guy with a weird interest in murder, and I put in my notes, whomst among us? Whomst among us? Who was then floating a crackpot theory about, like, hmm, I wonder why he lured them all out to the barn one by one. I bet it was so that he could bury them in the ground, and then the ground was cold. Or he could have been the killer genuinely remarking on what happened. He lured them out, he tried to dig a hole, and the ground was frozen, so he was unsuccessful. One is stupid. (sighs) He's an idiot. Before, well... He's an idiot like a fox. Before Uh-oh. his death in 1941, Lorenz successfully sued various people who called him, quote, the murderer of Hinterkaifeck. And so he won a decent amount of money on these slander cases. Because oh, he's, he's like, hey, I'm not the murderer of Kaifeck. And you saying it is slander. And he won those cases. So he's an, he's an idiot like a fox. I gave this theory the verdict of plausible, but it may also have been born out of old-timey slut-shaming because, like, it's entirely possible that he was having sex with Victoria Mm -hmm. because they were consenting adults and they were like, hey, I'm single, your wife's dead, you want to maybe fuck sometime, which is fine. And then people turned Victoria having a baby when she was super removed from being married into, well, obviously she was asking for it and that's why she got killed. Ew. It's because she was getting that sweet side D and that's not what we mm-hmm. want here. Next suspects Georg Siegel and the Bickler brothers. <laughs> Remember the maid who quit in September 1921 allegedly due to spooky ghost noises in the house? Yeah. Well, uh oh. She pointed the finger at Anton and Carl Bickler, the Bickler brothers. Anton had previously helped with the potato harvest at Kaifek, and thus would have been aware of the layout of the farm and house and have known the family members. The maid, Kreisens Rieger, Rieger, I should have looked up how to say her name, I'm very sorry, she said that Anton talked to her frequently about the family, saying that they, quote, ought to be dead. Which, uh, you know, on the one hand yeah, eat your bosses, but then on the other hand, weird thing to say in 1922. Yeah. And the family dog, who barked at everyone, didn't bark at Anton. Now, if you're luring people out to a barn, the only way you're going to get all four of them out there is if there's nobody sounding the alarm. Right. Which means maybe the family dog didn't bark. Mm. I still don't get
0: why they were lured to the barn in the middle of the night. If someone... I... You'd think it would be... Let's leave it alone and check it in the morning.
1: Yeah. I don't... I don't know. Like, because... When they did the recreation of the crime scene, they were able to construct a timeline of who died first, and it was definitely... They died one after the other. And so they think... I think they said it was Victoria first, then her mother, then her father, then her daughter. Which is confusing because, like, how do you get all four people one by one other than, like, oh, Victoria just fell out in the barn. Can you come help with that? And then, like, knock off pickaxe. like It's, like,
0: yeah, that's what I I just keep not getting is, like,
1: how how do they get... Although, then if your plan is to bury them in the barn, it's convenient to have them in the thing where you're going to dig the hole because then you don't have to drag the bodies out of the house. Right, but, like, how do you... Keep luring them... Uh, yeah. Yeah. It is confusing and strange. Yeah. And... I mean, that's why I'm still stuck. That's fair. Rieger also, be- Rieger the maid also believed that Anton, the potato harvest guy, recruited his brother Carl and Georg Siegel, another farm worker, to kill the family. I put this down as a plausibility of medium, because the dog thing is a nice touch and it does make sense, but, like, they ran tests after the bodies were discovered... I mean, I don't know if they were officially tests, but basically, I think they had somebody stand in the barn and scream, and because the farm is in kind of a remote area, like many farms, the neighbors couldn't hear it. Mm. So, but then that doesn't explain how the people in the house couldn't hear it, because it's one thing to not hear your neighbor when they're five miles away scream, but the house wasn't that far. Like, it was far enough to casually walk to it, so, like, how? I don't, I don't know. Rieger also said the motive was theft, though, and that, to me, weakens this suspect because nothing was really taken. Mm -hmm. It was pretty much just the brutal crimes, and then that was that. So, if your motive is theft, you would take shit. You wouldn't just commit a brutal murder. You would then also thieve. Right. There's also miscellaneous other suspects. Apparently, there were brother murderers in the area who killed nine parents in Silesia. Though rumors of one of the brothers' involvement with Victoria have never been substantiated. Mm -hmm. I feel like Victoria got a bum bum rap in all of this because they took her, had a baby Mm -hmm. out of wedlock, and turned it into a... Well, clearly she was fucking the man who would ultimately kill the whole family. Yeah, Which may not be the... Like, it's entirely possible, but... What if we... Didn't what if we didn't slut, slut shame, shame someone a, who was having happy fun 1920s sexy times? Like. <laughs> what if we didn't slut shame someone who got murdered? Yeah, let's let's maybe let her live her life. There was also a serial killer whose M.O. was killing families in remote areas of the U.S. with the blunt side of a pickaxe. So, you know, you have the pointy part and then you have the flatter mm-hmm. part. That was his M.O. And this guy, whose name was Paul Mueller, was from Germany originally. And so people speculate that the U.S. authorities connected him because he committed his crimes in a couple different states. And so there's a belief that the police were starting to connect those dots and being like, Uh, hey, wait a second, what if the same guy did all of these? So he was like, oops, getting a little hot in the U.S. and bounced back to Germany, where he then did the same thing. (sighs) Various burglars have also come under suspicion as well. Like, there's a whole host of just like, this guy and his motive was theft. And it's like, and then he just like systematically attacked everybody with sure, a Matic, I yeah, guess? Why not? Sure. Despite all these suspects and all the attention the case has received over the years, no one has ever been publicly charged. It's been 98 years. Nothing. Almost 100 years. And n- nothing.
0: I mean, I feel like then, like, like, I mean, that's. I guess that's it, right? Yeah. Like, you...
1: Damn. I I will say the thing that weakens, because, like, for me, I'm like, it seems like it's this Lorenz guy. Like, he may have been, like you said, motivated by stealing the land. He may have also been fucking Victoria as an incidental, like, I would like to steal your family's land, but also, what are you doing later? Like, we could grab a drink. Right. But what gets me with him is he had a home and he had a family who presumably would have noticed if he was missing for six months because he was living in somebody else's attic. Right. Huh? But then, like that, then lends credence to the serial killer from the U.S. Who is like, I could live for six months here and be undetected because I have no ties to this community. Nobody's gonna notice I'm gone, so I can just hang out here. Notice, no one's gonna notice I'm here. Yeah. So don't mind me. And then I've killed a bunch of people before, so I know how to lure people one by one out to a remote location. Nah, nah. Out of context. Yeah.
0: That's a great thing to say. Like, oh, I know how to murder
1: someone. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's the Hinterkaifeck murders. Thank you, Cassie, for reminding me of that case that I hate. I hate it. He lived in there for six months. Because, like, the thing that always sticks with me is those fucking footprints coming out of the woods, coming through the machine room, and going into the house. And, like, the snow was fresh. So these were, like, the only fucking footprints. So you would have seen if somebody came out of the house!
0: Hate it, with a capital H. Hate it. Hate it. So... I am going to be talking about two mysteries involving jars, and these are both from Atlas Obscura, which is a great source of fun, funky information.
1: Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. When is a door not a door?
0: When it's a jar. Hey!
1: Ah! Hey. Okay. So, <laughs> a little mid-episode
0: so, joke for you. <laughs> there is a ramp in De Pere. Des... De, de, de Des... Perez, Des <laughs> Perez, Des Paris, Des Paris, Missouri. Okay, so yeah, there's de, a ramp.
1: Oh, it might be Des... Pairs. Des... Pairs, because it, it's yeah. French for the father of the fathers, like belonging to okay. the fathers. I think. So the dad town in Missouri. I'm gonna get added so hard by our French Canadian listener. I, I know. I'm and, so sorry. I
0: I don't know anything. I mean, it's like Des Moines. It's it still has the Des.
1: Oh yeah, like des, Moines. des Moines. So maybe it would be. De, de P- Okay, hold on. A guide to St. Louis pronunciations. Could have
0: done this research myself, but I was lazy. But then
1: you didn't, and that's why. Oh, wait, I think I saw de pare. De Pair. De pare.
0: Oh, it's just de pare. Okay. Oh, like... it should be.
1: They say de pare, but it should be de pare. Okay. So it's de pare. De pare. Okay. De dad. De daddy. The de, de daddy town. De daddy. De daddy. De daddy, please. De daddy, please, Papa. <laughs> okay. Mon Papa. Mon Papa. S'il vous plaît. I'll never learn. Okay.
0: So, there's a ramp in Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) It's rampant. It's rampant. Um, That leads from I-270 North to Manchester Roads near a grocery store and a busy shopping mall. And on this ramp, there sits a mysterious jar of pickles. Yay! And then whenever it falls, breaks, or disappears, it is always replaced. It Hmm. was basically just like a little landmark. A person named Barb Steen, who lives nearby, first noticed the jar in 2012 and watched it ever since. For six years, this article was written in 2018, she brushed her teeth, got in her car, and always looked for pickles. The seasons changed, the sun would beat down, snow would pile up, construction and, you know, protest actions would shut down the highway, but the pickle jar would just stay there. Yay! As though something was protecting it. And after about two years into this routine, she started a Facebook group called Team Pickle. And Can
1: I just say I like you said almost this is something is protecting it, and I'm like I really like the idea of like a protective highway pickle spirit,
0: right? Who's like this is my pickle jar. I Don't will protect it. Don't fuck with it. my pickle jar, right? And the tagline for the p- Facebook page was pickle These pickles need a fan page. <laughs> Fair. Uh, basically, she's thinking that there had to be a story about, like, behind these pickles and what, like, wanted to know. And so she yeah. was basically like, let's make them famous. Let's learn about it. So at first, about 25 people joined this community, and members would describe sightings or share blurry drive by photos. They would post pickle jokes and memes, as well as theories about why the jar was there. Maybe some people were like, maybe it's a kind of shrine meant to honor someone who loved pickles, and maybe like crashed their car there. Oh, that's someone fun. else suggested aliens. <laughs> obviously,
1: <laughs> obviously, no, please. We all know I believe in aliens, and we also know I hate pickles, so I support a world in which <laughs> aliens also hate pickles. And then her, the the person who
0: created this. Uh, group, Barb, said that maybe it's someone with a forbidden love and they put the pickle jars there at that exit so that the person would always drive past it and basically get this message of like, hey, I'm thinking of
1: you. Oh, that's sweet.
0: But attention to this pickle jar had its downside where after the Facebook group began, the pickle jar disappeared. (gasps) And... It was pretty gnarly at that point where it was like evaporated and Ew. the label oh, had like think faded that. off and it was just kind of like a nude color, no more green. But Ew. members mourned and um, one person wrote a poem, said, a jar viewed from afar has left a scar upon our hearts at last. Uh, Alas, it departs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like when, I think it was Toronto had that dead raccoon. Yeah. And it took a while for the city to come get it, so people, like, mourned the raccoon and, like, brought it flowers and candles and stuff. It's like that, but it's a jar of (laughs) pickles. And a few months later, after
0: it had failed to return, another fan was basically like, hey, I miss the pickle jar. But then, a year after it vanished, another one showed up. (gasps) It was a different brand and quantity. It was fuller and greener. Child of the pickle. But it didn't matter, and everyone in this Facebook group was super happy. Yeah. And then the cycle continued. A jar might topple, empty out, or otherwise be taken, and then it would soon reappear. And there have been yellow lid jars filled with mostly brine and red label ones full of slices. There were Mount Olive jars decorated with festive bows and vli- <laughs> uh, Vlasics reinforced by Tupperware. And even though the particular of the jars have changed, basically the spirit stays the same where everyone's like, We honor all pickle jars that are placed at this thing. I respect. But then in twenty eighteen there was a Reddit thread about the pickles and a bunch of local news report began to bring attention to the jar. And like a bunch of, you know, T V stations and newspapers were like compiling all their best jokes and memes and then the story <laughs> went national and the membership of Team Pickle Facebook group Went from a few hundred nearby fans to all over, uh, to 2,500 from like all over the place of just people who are like, I love the spirit of this pickle jar that's just like randomly on this highway. That's fair. And, you know, more people have taken photos and whatnot. And some people were like, oh, I've actually been looking for people who have information about this. I've been like seeing it every time I drive my truck past here or like whenever I go to school. And like, so it was like this big thing. But basically, by 2018, the concrete ledge was empty, and, like, no, no. one had replaced it. And so people... We have to
1: go there and Right. I haven't seen... Jar.
0: And I tried to look for, like, more recent stuff, but it's yeah. really, like, as soon as the story blew up in 2018...
1: No more pickle jar. Like,
0: no more pickle jar, and, like, I can't find anything else afterwards. Mm. So if you're from Missouri and you know anything about the pickle jar situation yeah. in Missouri on Highway 270 north to Manchester Road...
1: Maybe put hollard. another jar of pickles there.
0: There's a pickle jar. Gross. And then there's the Google Maps. Oh, yeah. And then a pickle jar. <laughs> <laughs> it kind
1: of reminds me of... And then another of, pickle jar. Uh, you know by where we used to live, by the... the banana peel. Oh. Not the banana peels. Oh. The nicer one. That, oh, the Christmas tree. tree. Yeah. yeah. There was a tree. I think it was just growing out of like a crack in the median. Yeah. And it was like a full little tree, and somebody would decorate it for all the holidays. Yeah. And I mean all, all the, the holidays. holidays. Not just like Christmas... All the holidays. And this is, like, this random little tree in,
0: like, a very busy, like, what, four, six-lane road? Yeah, I think at that
1: point it's four. Yeah. But the city a couple years ago tore it down and people lost their shit. Yeah. And so intermittently people have been putting fake trees up in its place or Mm -hmm. posting, like, taping a picture of it and, like, pasting it to the wall where it was. It's, like... Really
0: cute when people keep stuff like that yeah. alive. I was thinking about the banana peels. Which
1: just are. A pile of
0: banana peels. But that's like malicious. That's trash. Yeah. That's not cute like the and, tree. <laughs> and so that's my thinking about that again. I'm wondering if it was more than one person. It's like oh, one, person, one person would start throwing their banana peels, and other people are like, oh, I see that person's throwing banana peels. This I is guess that's a banana I'd peel do. spot. But it's malicious and it's stupid, and those people. That's littering. Should. I hope they all slip on banana peels.
1: Hey, they should plant a tree instead. Yeah, they should.
0: The other jar story. Jars. Also from 2018. Also from Atlas Obscura.
1: Real quick, can I just say, I don't know why I just thought of this, but one time I got a gift card. I don't even remember where it was for. And so I like peeled the thing off the back to get the redemption code and the redemption code was ass jar. I still think about it. It was A55J4R and it was ass jar.
0: That just makes me think of the Ass Man yeah. episode of, of Seinfeld. Se- yeah.
1: It was that, but it was my gift card it was the Ass Jar. Jar.
0: <laughs> Maybe I'll...
1: I might still have a picture of it. I was going to say, that n- your new license plate should just be Ass Jar. Jar. I mean, my current license plate is, like, real close to spelling ugly, and it's really sad. <laughs> it's ulg, and it's like, oh, that's it. I don't like that. So, clearly, Ass Jar would be an improvement.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so... This other jar story is from Calgary in Alberta. This lady took her Canada.
1: ass and put... No, no. No.
0: Apparently, on the median of 68th Street Northeast, there's a five-lane road, it's, which is a five-lane road in Calgary. hmm Scores of jars of Vaseline... <laughs> Whoa. Gross. Just, ap- ...just appear. Okay. They're just there. And basically, it's sending everyone down a slippery slope of
1: speculation. <laughs> It has to be slippery. It's
0: Vaseline. Like many other mysteries, this one found its initial, like, foothold on Reddit. Classic. Um, The original poster saying, For the last couple of years, my family and I have been noticing tubs of Vaseline at the uh, intersections of 68th Street and 32nd Avenue. Mm. Um, This poster wrote in October of 2014, which was apparently the first thread about the phenomenon. Like dozens, they are, like, like dozens of jars of Vaseline. They are replaced every few months, evidently, since sometimes they are full and other times they are empty and then full again. Hmm. As the thread grew, he provided more details. It is always Vaseline brand, pharmacy size.
1: The tubs are generally... Pharmacy size? How big is pharmacy size? I think, like, a pretty... St- Standard, like a, like chonky, a chon- chonky
0: one, not like the level, little pocket size ones. That's for that you, your lips? Yeah, for yeah. your lips. Okay, um, like
1: a chonky Vaseline jar. Right. I understand.
0: So the stu- tubs are generally evenly based, as if placed there deliberately, though later posters would also describe them as just strewn about, so I wonder mm. if, like, a gust of wind just kind of, like, blows them or slides them. Oh. More recently, in 2018, there was another post with a more urgent tone, basically citing an overabundance of tubs. And calling 2018 the year of Vaseline Alley.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Vaseline Alley.
0: Soon after, the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, actually sent a team to investigate and found several jars at 68th Street Northeast and 16th Avenue, about a dozen blocks from the location cited on Reddit. Rodell Beek, a maintenance worker, told reporters that he and his colleagues would find about 15 to 20 containers a month. Holy shit! The CBC was unable to come to any conclusions beyond speculating that the culprit must be very slippery to <laughs> remained anonymous for so long. <laughs> slippery. The Reddit boards have become more enterprising. Over the years, in several different threads, commenters have scooped up and shut down gobs of
1: theories. Gross. <laughs> like, it's- not to be gross here, are, are the jars sealed or are they opened so, and people are actively using well, them Well so
0: that's that's the question is that sometimes I see full jars and other times I see empty jars
1: Ugh. right So
0: is it for greasing machinery probably not and there's no wor- road grease. work going on nearby do cyclists use it for their like arcane cyclist pr- purposes basically like Getting rid of the saddle sores, <laughs> and other people are wondering: Would
1: you want to rub vaseline that somebody else's that's what ass hand saying, has been in? He's like, I
0: don't want to touch anyone else's jar of vaseline, right? Like, talk about and an then, ass jar. Basically, so the one of the original Reddit posters was like, I don't know why anyone would want to ride their bike there, right? Yeah, Maybe, that's true. It's a highway. It's a highway, and then someone else is like, Do like evil people use it for like villainous or lewd purposes? Ew, like if a Vaseline-adjacent act comes to
1: mind. No! Right? Gross. And it's just like, ew, wait. Don't like, leave that out! <laughs> right. And then other Jesus pe- Christ, this is why people are freaking out about washing their hands, because they're gross. Yeah, and then
0: so yeah, then there's nasty. there's a another theory that, I mean, the reasoning behind it sounds kind of plausible, but mm-hmm. the fact that all of these jars just end up in the same location still doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Some people have thought that maybe... It's because there's harsh Calgary winds, they buy value packs of vaselines, slather them themselves, and then throw away the empty containers, and saying maybe they blow out of the garbage truck as it goes around the turn, but that also doesn't make any sense. Like, why yeah, are only why Vaseline... Land? But also, why only Vaseline That's only true. on this median? Vaseline
1: brand and not, like, CVS brand.
0: Right. Yeah. And then... Some people are just like, maybe people just like leaving stuff on the roadway medium. Maybe someone saw a jar of Vaseline and then they were like, oh, I'll leave my jar of Vaseline here. And then someone else is like, oh, ha, ha there's jars of Vaseline here. I'll do me it leave. too. Right. Mm-hmm. And basically they end up citing this pickle mystery <laughs> in De-, De, Pere, De Pere, Missouri, where people, and again, saying like, you know, there's this pickle jar. And so basically people are saying like, maybe there's just a very well-greased person who just runs around Calgary.
1: Can they be that greased when they're leaving full-on jars of Vaseline laying around, though? Right, like, you gotta, like, get in there and, like, stick your whole hand in, grab all the gloves. and then... I'm just imagining the noise that makes that, like... uh, Like, if you ever need to do special effects for a movie, you need a swap sound, stick your hand in a jar Jar of Vaseline. So,
0: those are my two jar mysteries in that... Why are people leaving shit on medians?
1: Well, mine also involves leaving shit on or near roads. Like poop? No. Okay. Like shit Just as a concept.
0: Shit as in a concept, not literal shit. Not literal
1: shit. Again, Get your mind out of the scatology, Sasha. Listen, I am Momo the fart monster. I think about poop a lot. <laughs> and I know you do. I, yeah. Let's talk about the Toynbee tile, shall we? This is courtesy of Wikipedia, Atlas Obscura, and NPR. I asked mysterious third roommate what unsolved mystery she loved, and she said the Toynbee Tiles. So thank you to everyone who did my research for me this week. I'm just kidding; I did the actual research. But thank you for giving me the ideas to research. In about 28 cities, 24 in the U.S. and four in I wrote four in the South America. (laughs) Not just any South America, the the South South America. America. Starting in the 80s, mysterious tiles of unknown origin popped up embedded in the asphalt of streets. Hmm. Each tile bears a variation on the same puzzling message. Toynbee idea. In movie 2001, Resurrect Dead on Planet Jupiter. Uh Uh-huh. Toynbee tiles are typically about the size of a license plate and made of linoleum, they first came to official attention in 1994 when the Baltimore Sun published a piece on them, though the tiles had been appearing for at least a decade before this. The earliest known Toynbee tiles popped up in Philadelphia, but they have also appeared in D.C. In a oh. front of my notes, spoof field trip, spook anyone? Spoof field trip. I looked it up. There's one on 15th, or one on F and 13th Street, and then there's a couple on K Street okay. um, between, I can't remember what blocks. But, like, they're scattered throughout D.C. There used to be one by the White House, but I don't know if that one's still there. They're also in Boston, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, New York City, and basically all over. Smaller towns get them. There's those four cities in South America that have had them. They just pop up, and they all seem to be similarly designed tiles with similarly bizarre messages about resurrecting dead on planet Jupiter. While there was a lull around 2011, in the last few years, Toynbee tiles have started popping up again, though the new tiles are probably the work of a copycat, as there have been some key changes in the design. Specifically, the word resurrect has been swapped for "raise" with regards to the dead. So, probably a copycat. Yeah. The lull was also probably the result of a documentary that came out in 2011 that focused on the tiles. Mm. This went into how they were probably made. Theories as to oh. who made them and what they could possibly mean.
0: Oh, I know 13th and F. But yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of good shopping down there. Mm-hmm. And there's a district taco. Yep. And there's... it's Allegedly a Toynbee oh, tile. You know what? It's... The, the Warner Theater yeah. is there. That's why I was like,
1: 13th and F sounds so familiar. Yeah. Okay. So allegedly somewhere around there is a Toynbee tile in huh. the street. A common theory is that the way they're placed is it's the work of one artist who most likely carefully designs the tiles before tossing them out of the floorboard of a car. So he's cut a hole in his floorboards, and then he sets it. And the thing that it's made out of, he does the mosaic. I say he. They do the mosaic on tar paper, which is used in, Uh, like, roofing uh and asphalt repair, because that way it'll adhere to the street. Right. So that's why there's the theory that, like, They've cut a hole in their floorboard, they drop it out of their car so that nobody sees them doing it, and then they drive away, and now you have a Toynbee tile. Ah. So, what does this fucking message mean? Because they all say something similar to the effect of Toynbee idea in movie 2001. Right. Resurrect dead on planet Jupiter. What? Obviously, movie 2001 refers to Stanley Kubrick's 2001, A Space Odyssey, in which humans go on a manned mission to Jupiter. Right. Toynbee might be a similarly sci-fi reference to Ray Bradbury's short story, The Toynbee Convector, which is about a guy with a time machine trying to convince those around him to help shape the future. But there's also Arnold J. Toynbee, a religious historian who believed that the afterlife doesn't exist on its own. Instead, it's man-made. Toynbee's idea, then, refers to the passage from one of his books that goes like this. Human nature presents human minds with a puzzle which they have not yet solved and may never succeed in solving, for all that we can tell. The dichotomy of a human being into soul and body is not a datum of experience. No one has ever been or ever met a living human soul without a body— Those of you who believe in ghosts would disagree. Right. Someone who accepts, as I myself do, taking it on trust, the present-day scientific account of the universe may find it impossible to believe that a living creature, once dead, can come to life again. But, if he did entertain this belief, he would be thinking more scientifically if he thought in the Christian terms of a psychosomatic resurrection than if he thought in the shamanistic terms of a disembodied spirit. So this is where he's getting at the idea of, like, If you say, oh, there's souls wandering around without bodies, people are like, that's fucking weird. But if you go, oh, it's the afterlife, there are souls in heaven, people go, oh, okay. okay. So he's talking about, like, this is a concept, like, if there's a soul and a body, then the concept would be, the soul can be without a body. Right. And that would be the afterlife that men create. Uh Uh-huh. So, kind of weird. But... So, in terms of these tiles, there's usually other smaller messages nearby. So, the original message will say the thing about 2001, but then there'll be other smaller tiles that say, frankly, some batshit stuff. Yeah. These usually allude to a mass conspiracy wherein newspaper magnate John S. Knight, the U.S. and USSR governments, even in tiles created after the USSR dissolved, and, bigotedly, quote, Hellion Jews. Oh, no. Which is like, oh... It's that kind of crazy. Great. Fucking bigots. (sighs) There have been suspects over the years for who was the original Toynbee tile artist. One tile that used to be in Santiago de Chile pointed to a very specific address. 2624 South 7th, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The residents of that house claim to know nothing about the tiles and, per Wikipedia, quote, are annoyed by people who ask. So if you live in Philadelphia, don't go knock on that house. (laughs) They are not happy to talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, if I lived there, I would absolutely get sick of it too. But at least at first it would be kinda of fun. Right. Like, I would go along with it, I'd be like, Yes, it's a conspiracy. <laughs> Although it is a bigoted one. So I'd maybe just dis- I'd be like, that Distance part's myself. that part's not true. But the other part, those are the original. That's the scary part. That would be, be like hard. that, uh wasn't that
0: person that wasn't it's another, it's a copycat. That sounds right? like a
1: like- rude copycat who needs to re examine their priorities and how they think of human beings around them. Mm-hmm. Back in 1983, a caller identifying himself as James Morasco, a social worker in Philadelphia, called Clark de Leon at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Per de Leon, the caller had an idea that people were living or being resurrected on the planet Jupiter. Something about the molecules de Leon told NPR. It was just so wacky and out there. I believe my headline on it was, "You want to run that by me again?" <laughs> On the call, Morasco talked about Toynbee's work, so the idea of the soul existing outside the body sure. and there being a physical place where they can go. Morasco was also the creator of the Minority Association, which was a very niche, small group dedicated to colonizing Jupiter by resurrecting the dead.
0: Sorry, when you said it's a minority group by a very like niche, <laughs> yeah. I was like... Ah, they are the minority yes. who want to colonize it's not, Jupiter.
1: It's not minority in terms of let's partner with people who are in marginalized communities. No, it's and minority no, as in... There's seven of us and we're fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> we the minority of us. The minority of us who believe that we're going to colonize Jupiter by resurrecting dead people. Which, no.
0: You know what they say. Boys go to Jupiter to get more stupider.
1: Yeah, this guy absolutely went to Jupiter to get Get more more stupider. stupider. But we, as girls, went to college, and we got more More knowledge. knowledge. So we can say, conclusively, this is a bunch of bullshit.
0: This is a bunch of bullshit.
1: The people behind the 2011 documentary claim they know the identity of the Toynbee Tyler. They say they've figured it out. They know the original guy behind it. But they also essentially say they aren't snitches. They will not reveal the identity of the Toynbee Tyler nor the identity of the House of Hades, which is allegedly a group that partnered with him for some of the crazier tiles. Like, there's one from the House of Hades that's like, we're begging you, please kill every journalist. And it's like, um, Um, can we not? So they're anti-press and anti-Semitic. Yeah, they're kind of anti a lot of shit. Yikes. And, like, Morasco seems like a strong candidate for being the Toynbee Tyler because... Around the time that this tile popped up, he made that phone call and uh, talked about basically what the tile says. Where he's talking about colonizing Jupiter, like 2001: sure. Space Odyssey, and he's talking about resurrecting the dead and like using all of those terms. But his wife swears like he passed away in I think 2004, uh-huh. and his wife swears up and down he has he had no idea about the tiles. He and just it, was
0: also another loony person. Yeah,
1: he was just super into the idea that we could colonize Jupiter by resurrecting the spirits of the dead. But then that also begs the question of like, okay, so let's say it's this guy based out of Philadelphia. He could probably have gotten to Washington, D.C., Baltimore, New York, The international like that. ones. The international ones. How the fuck did he get down there? And it was the 80s. We didn't have the internet. It wasn't like somebody saw a picture of it on the internet and was like, I'm gonna copy that in my city in the South America. Like... Right. So who was who's unless doing unless he tests? like had
0: contacts in those countries and just mailed a package? Oh, maybe. And was like, can you put this down? He
1: was a social worker. It's possible that he was working in an immigrant community, and some of them told family back in South America, "Hey, put this. I'm thing super on into this idea of colonizing Jupiter. I'm gonna mail you something. Can you put it on the street for me, please?" So anyway, we have to go find these in DC. Yeah,
0: seriously. <laughs> I feel like I've. Seen that I or too. maybe someone has told me about this one before. I just didn't maybe. know anything further than just the image. Yeah, I didn't ever look into it.
1: The picture on Wikipedia is of one in DC, and I don't know if I've just seen this image like, right, this one. Yeah, I I've, swear to god, I have seen that somewhere I think before, I've seen it somewhere. but I don't know, but like. When I say there's smaller tiles that accompany it, so you see there's the big oh, yeah. one, Toynbee idea. These are usually where they get into the, like, bat shit, let's start killing people, like, yeah. let's be hateful, yeah. problematic, gross parts. Mm-hmm. But it just, it's confusing. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Because they are widespread. I mean, like
0: the last three unexplained things are just very confusing yeah the murder like, the murder one is like very mysterious but the, but it is it's the, a murder the jar ones and the twinbee tiles are just uh, bonkers.
1: yeah I don't know also I don't think we can colonize Jupiter it's a gas giant there's no solid ground. right what do you think what are you colonizing? Then? Although I guess if you're a spirit you're less concerned about grounds because you're floating around there uh, too true so I guess Jupiter makes sense
0: yeah I guess I guess. I guess. I guess. I guess. I guess.
1: Anyway, thanks for listening. Thank you, Cassie, for telling us about your favorite unsolved mystery. Thank you, mysterious third roommate who doesn't listen to the podcast, but who did tell me about the Toynbee tiles and sent me down that rabbit hole. If you have an unsolved murder that... Oh, an unsolved murder. <laughs> Don't... I mean, you can send there, us those. We're not going to solve them. There we was a um,
0: Reddit page that I found today that was like non-murder mysteries or something like yeah. that. And it's just, like, a bunch of mysteries that don't have anything to do with murder. Or like, like the pickle crime. Yeah. Yeah,
1: or the Toynbee tiles. Right. Where it's, like, nobody gets outright murdered. So, you know. Yeah. And there are a bunch of those, like, like, I considered, but I ran out of time. I was going to do the Phoenix Lights, which yeah. are aliens. Nobody dies. And D.B. Cooper, who's that guy who hijacked an airplane, extorted, like, $1.2 million in today's money, yeah. and then, like, parachuted out. Yeah, are non-murder mysteries. mysteries. Nice. And then despite, like, heavily searching for him, he's never been found. Yeah. And he introduced himself as, I think he said his name was Douglas B. Cooper or D.B. Cooper. Mm -hmm. But we call him D.B. Cooper. There's a sketch of him. Don't know who he is. So there are definitely, like, unsolved mysteries like that that are just like... (laughs) It's fun to think about, and also nobody died, but then you also have the spooky ones where somebody died, and we don't know why, and it's just weird and spooky. So if you have an unsolved mystery that you want to tell us about, we will still read it, absolutely. Send us your scary stories, spoophour at gmail.com for your first-hand ghost experiences. Follow us on the Twitters and the Instagrams at spoophour, and yeah, yeah, like, mysterious. Mysterious. Share your mysteries with us. Yeah, haunt us the way we probably are going to haunt you with the Hinder-Kaifek murders. Check your friggin' addicts because someone is already living in them! Ah! Murder. Obsession. Addiction. Panic. Schizophrenia. Mania. Violence. Survival. I'm Kate... As a forensic psychologist and crisis clinician, I was in the middle of a lot of those experiences. It was my job to come up with an explanation for how the hell did we get here and what happens next. And I'd like to share some of those stories with you. Just make sure that you're ready. Because sometimes after I'm done, you'll think, I felt better before I knew that. You can find "Ignorance Was Bliss" under IWB Podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.
0: There was a great episode of um, Ologies last week. Yeah, that was about poop. It was about scatology, and
1: you were like, neighbor- "I'm quitting my job and being a like,
0: scatologist." Basically, I was like, "What can I do to also get to work with poop all the time?" <laughs> Just kidding. I only, Unless... like, I only like my own poop. <laughs> I don't like...
1: I feel like you'd get used to other poop. Maybe. Yeah.
0: It was fascinating. I
1: was going to say, you want kids. You're going to have to deal with somebody else's oh, poop yeah. at some point.
0: But, like, it'll be my own child's poop. Not, like, other poop.
1: Is it, like, human poop? Uh, or is it, like...
0: Well, the, the scatologist they interviewed uh, was, um, like, a zoo. Oh. Like, she worked with animals.
1: Yeah, that's fine. That was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So maybe I'll do that.
1: Yeah, there you go. Okay. Sasha's not going to be a teacher anymore. <laughs> Welcome to the end of the episode. Sasha wants to work with poop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My life has come full circle.
1: <laughs> Finally. All right.